everyone. Happy Monday, and welcome to another edition of the X's and O's with uh, Greg Cosell and Doug Farrar. That's uh, Greg Cosell over there, senior producer of NFL Films and ESPN's NFL Matchup. I'm Doug Farrar, editor at uh, the USA Today Sports Media Group. And Greg, we're going to uh, do the X's and O's a little early today because tomorrow's July 4th. And I'd like to continue our series where we're kind of building the perfect positional units. We started with the secondary. We did the defensive line last week. This week, I'd like to get into the offensive line. And I'd like to start with, and you're at NFL Films in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. I know you're very familiar with the Eagles. It's, I would say, a common consensus that the Eagles had the best offensive line in the NFL last year. And the thing I found interesting about them is schematically, I mean, they weren't really a this or that team. It wasn't like, oh, we're zone, oh, we're, they kind of did everything. And where I'm leading here is Jeff Stoutland, their offensive line coach, is commonly recognized as one of the best, if not the best, at what he does in the NFL. How I mean, this sounds rhetorical, but it really isn't because I've seen I've seen this go both ways. How important is it to have a great offensive line coach for that line to work? And what is the difference between a guy like Stoutland and a guy who's just sort of average? Uh, well. You know, those are hard. Those are not easy questions. You might think they are. Right. They're, they're not really. Easy I mean, it's questions. not. Well, I mean, I say it sounds rhetorical. Obviously, you'd want a, a great offensive line coach like a Scarnecchi or a Bill Callahan or Alex Gibbs or whoever. I mean, there's but, yeah, there's a lot of good ones, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, offensive line to me has always been one of those positions, and obviously, there's two tackles, two guards, and a center. But just offensive line as a whole has always been something that I felt like I, I really needed to keep studying and studying because those guys and the coaches, they kind of live in a world of their own. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, they're different cats, as it were. Yes. Um, and I've been fortunate throughout my career to be at training camps and, and close to watching offensive line coaches work with, with individual offensive linemen. And just like everything, the way it's coached, everything is, is so precise you know, you could see an offensive line coach and, and you could see an offensive lineman step with his foot and an offensive line coach will step in and say, no, 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 you went six inches too far. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it's really for, for something that on TV looks like just a bunch of big guys battling a bunch of other big guys. It's really very precise with your foot movements, your hand placements, how they have to work together. I remember years and years ago, when I had not been doing matchup for very long. And of course, um, uh, Alex Gibbs, that's who I'm thinking yes. of Alex Gibbs and, and that running game with uh, Denver and Kyle and uh, Mike Shanahan. Yep. And I remember just going back and forth with, with my cowboy remote watching that run game and the way all five offensive linemen moved totally in unison in their zone run game. I mean, you could go back and forth and all the movements were exactly the same. The foot movements, the hand movements. I mean, it just, it, it looked for want of a better way of describing it now, you know, it looked like synchronized swimming, you know, it just looked yeah. like everybody was doing exactly the same thing at exactly the same time. And, you know, that element of offensive line play goes beyond teaching individuals because sure. there's five guys that have to work together. And, I remember having a great conversation a number of years ago with Phil Sims and Phil said to me, you know, most people assume that the pass game is much harder to teach than the run game. And he said, the run game is actually so much harder to teach and master 
just because of the way you have to teach it with with so many guys having to do and react to exactly the same thing. Sure. And, you know, I just so your question, it's probably not a great answer that I just gave. But, you know, I mean, in a sense, what makes a great online coach? I'm not sure I have a a great answer for that. You know, details as in in really in everything in football are so, so critical. Um, I think working together is critical. I think you need to understand what you're playing against, you know, defensive fronts. People don't think about that because you block different defensive fronts differently. So if you have a certain play call, you know, people might think, oh, it's an outside zone run, or let's let's say, you know, it's it's inside zone or whatever, whatever it is. Um, you know, if it's a certain front, defensive front, you block it a certain way. If it's a different front, you block it a different way. Yeah. You know, all these things come into play. Um, you know, it's there's a lot going on with the offensive line that it really requires guys to be football smart and have what is often referred to as athletic intelligence. Um, yes. I, get, I guess a different kind of AI, but it's athletic intelligence. You know, um, yeah. they, they really need to, to be able to understand how different things, both before the snap and after the snap, affect how you go about doing what you do. I've been in a lot of locker rooms and I've found generally if I really want to know what's going on, if I've developed a relationship or even a casual, you know, conversation with an offensive lineman, that's where I go. Because generally speaking, offensive linemen are going to be among the smartest players on the team. That yeah. that, that that really is kind of a non-negotiable. Well, you know, and it's funny you say that because, you know, a lot of times, you, you know, you'll watch tape and, and you'll see, you know, depending on how detailed we get to watch tape, you know, we're trying to get through a lot of things, you and I, yeah. but sometimes you'll notice, oh, well, they, they like to run that against an overfront. No, mm-hmm. and they like to run something else against an underfront. And, you know, these are all things offensive linemen have to understand these things just intuitively. You know, it's it's not like you, you know, it's not like you're taking a test and you have a chance to, you know, to put down your number two pencil and think about it for a few minutes. These things just have to happen. And you know, your point is really correct. These guys are are really smart. They're really aware. They now their worldview is is certainly different. They're not necessarily worried about safeties. You know, who are ten or twelve or fifteen yards off the ball. You know, that's not kind of their worldview. Um, uh, certainly not if they're in a three-point stance um, right. if in the running game I'm talking about. Now, pass protection is a whole nother that, – that's a yeah. whole nother thing because now with the increase in the details and nuances and subtleties of, of pressure schemes, mm-hmm. they've got to be aware of so many things, of where guys are lined up. Hey, is that is that uh, linebacker, is he two feet – you know, to one side where he's normally not there. What does that tell me? Hey, is that slot corner, you know, a tackle has to say, is that slot corner like, is he just a little closer than he normally is? Because that may be an indicator for a blitz. You know, these are all things you have to be aware of and just know like that. Like I said, it's not as if you have a minute or two minutes to go, let me check all this out and see how it goes. You let me look at my metrics on my phone. No, you don't have Yeah, time. no, you have to see it and know it. And, you know, and, you know, you see all these pressure schemes now because defensive coaches are pretty smart, too. And, and you know, offensive linemen have to pick all this stuff up, even something that seems simple like stunts. OK, um, you know, looping stunts by defensive linemen. Offensive linemen have to understand 
exactly when they give up their guy because he's looping and yes. respond to someone else. I mean, how many times do we see when that doesn't work the way it's supposed to work? You know, we discussed the 49ers overload blitzes uh, last week and, you know, you're, you're watching those and everyone's like, OK, I got I got my guy. But oh, wait, wait. And I was doing some uh, tape work on Mike, Micah Parsons this morning for an article I'm doing. And he had uh, one sack against Gardner Minshew, one sack, uh, I think, yeah, uh, pressures, not sacks, excuse me. But he was at linebacker depth, and he was kind of hiding behind the nose tackle, yeah. sort of waving around like, okay, when he goes, I'm just going to shoot the gap. And the center's like, oh, okay, now I got the nose tackle and Micah Parsons. What the hell am I supposed to do? So it's, yeah, I, no, think, it's- I think defensive <laughs> lines and defensive pressure schemes present so much more of a challenge for offensive linemen now than they ever have before. I would agree with that 100%. And it's really, really difficult. I mean, how many teams now line up, you know, and, and again, it's usually in sub fronts, but with a yeah. six-man front or, you know, and, and then there's maybe a safety who's kind of walking up but not walking up. You have to figure out, you know, how to – because you have to account for, account for people. You know, yeah. even if you know they're not all coming, you still have to account for them. You can't assume, oh, I don't think he's going to come. You don't know that. I mean, right. to some degree, you know certain things based on your film study, but you still have to account for people. So you have to have a way to do that and a way to communicate that, you know, when when you get to the line of scrimmage. You know, you can have a play call with a certain protection called, and then all of a sudden you get to the line of scrimmage and you see a, a front or a look that that protection may not be able to handle. And whether it's the quarterback or the center, <clears throat> very often it's the center, he might have to change that protection call with, you know, 13 seconds left on the, on the play clock and everybody's got to get it. Yep. You know, and you know, that's not easy. Well, we, we are sort of assembling our perfect offensive line here and we start with tackles and we discussed this, I think on our first podcast, the, the ostensible difference between right and left tackles, like the left tackle is the talented guy and the right tackle is sort of the schlub that, and we agreed that's gone. I mean, the only difference is the left tackle is, is, is responsible for the blind side. So right. if, if you view that as a big difference, then that's the difference. But in terms of the quality of pass rusher they face in today's NFL, that's no longer that relevant. There are phenomenal pass rushers who work from the left side of the defensive front against the right tackle. Yep. And then we also have talked <clears throat> about the advent of quick game and RPOs and things like that. So tackles have to, you know, get in their sets quickly, but you've mentioned the importance of the vertical set. So when we're talking about ideal tackles, let's get back into that and discuss why well, sets are so important. I think if you talk about tackles, there's, and this is general, there's a lot within this, but there's probably be considered three kinds of sets, a short set, a 45 degree angle set and a vertical set. Normally, let's say if it's third and long, you're, you're in a vertical set, you know, um, and that's why a lot of coaches believe that third down is is the critical piece to to being able to play tackle because if you can't pass protect on third down and the offense is required to help you that really limits what you can do in the pass game so yeah. for so for an offensive tackle third down is critical because you know as we've discussed they control the width of the pocket they need to keep people outside away from the quarterback from a width perspective okay and you want them to be able to do that one-on-one. So what do they have to be able to handle? They have to be able to handle what we would call speed to power. That's mm-hmm. They have to be able to handle that. They have to be able to handle high side speed. In other words, their outside shoulder. They can't yeah. allow pass rushers to beat them 
off their outside shoulder. That's high side speed. The other thing then, which is the corollary to that, is they have to be able to handle low side or inside quickness. They have to be able to handle those three things at their core. If they and they have to handle high side speed and, and then low side speed for the inside counter. Like you take that jab step outside, right. and inside you come. Right. So if you can't handle those things individually, then it's really hard to be a good pass protecting tackle in this league because that, and then you require help. And, yeah. you know, that, that's a problem. So if you're a tackle in pass pro, particularly in vertical sets, you need to be able to handle that. Now, obviously, so much more goes into the nuance and detail of doing that with yeah. your foot movements and your hands and, you know, being able to reset your hands is really important because very often when you start in pass protection, you might have your hands in a certain position and different O-line coaches teach that differently. Some O-line coaches want your hands ready up here. Some O-line coaches like Jeff Stallin, for instance, he wants you, uh, he has their the offensive linemen, the tackles have their hands lower to start, you know. And, and Just to I, break in, is that is that kind of a thing where some receivers don't like reveal their hands until the last second? Is that I don't know if that if that correlates exactly, but it's just, you know, again, I'm not sure the reason why different align coaches take that approach. But the point I was making is a lot of times your first strike, you know, you do that and the defensive, uh, the pass rusher could knock it away or do, you know, do so. And then you've got to reset, you know, you've got to be able to reset your hands in coordination while your feet are moving, you know. Because yeah. because one thing you do not want to do on a vertical set is just turn your body right to the sideline. Oh no, you, you don't. You do not want to do that because um, you're just opening the barn door to you know whichever way your back is turned. Right, right. Like, so, um, you know, so there's a lot of nuance and detail involved in terms of the use of hands um, and how that coordinates with your feet and your lower body. Um, but when all said and done, if you can't protect with vertical sets it's really hard to be a tackle in this league and, and, and play at a, a meaningful level. Yep. Uh, you said that tackles control the width of the pocket. Guards control the depth of the pocket. And, guards and centers, yeah. Yeah, guards and centers. And, you know, the different teams do it different ways. Like the Ravens and the Browns pull their guards a ton, and I, I love watching the Browns pull. That's the run um, game, yep. Teller, they're so good at it. They can just pull you to death. Um, but in a Wyatt general, Teller, one of the best pulling guards I, in the league. Boy, I just I've I've been on his uh, <laughs> I've written a lot about Wyatt Teller in the last couple of years. He's he's wonderful, uh, and Batonio might be the best guard in football, uh, depending on who you like. But when we talk about guards, in just in and again, we could go for three hours on this stuff. But given the the constraints of our time, what are the things guards need to be able to do in a more general sense to succeed at a high level? Well, it's funny. I had to learn a lot about guards through the years because I got caught up when I started really doing offensive line stuff years and years ago as I was trying to learn. And I'm still learning, in fact. But um, I got caught up in athleticism. And, you know, athleticism is always nice. But, you know, when you watch interior offensive linemen in this league, more often than not, they battle and they compete. And it doesn't mean that they're not taught technique. I don't want people to think I'm not saying that they're not taught technique and it's not important. No, they're not just a bunch of big guys going, Right. Obviously, it's very important. But, you know, on a certain level, at some point, you just have to battle and compete to win. Um, But, you know, we talked about the depth of the pocket that uh, that centers and guards control the depth, meaning that they can't get pushed back into the pocket. Okay, because then the quarterback doesn't have any space to step up and throw the football. Yeah. Okay. so what does that mean? Then That means that they must be able to sink and anchor. 
They mm -hmm. can't get pushed back. They have to be able to hold their ground. That's what we call anchor. So, mm -hmm. and normally you can't do that standing straight up. So you have to be able to sink, you know, yeah. sink your rear end, so to speak, and and hold an anchor. And there, it's really important to re be able to constantly reset your hands because mm -hmm. you can't just do one thing. Now, the other thing that becomes really important inside as well, particularly against these quality interior pass rushers in the league, and and there's more and more of those guys is you have to be able to mirror and redirect because they're going to try to beat you, not always just by shoving you back into the pocket. Big guys might try to shove you back into the pocket, but there's a lot of quick, athletic interior D linemen now, and they try to beat you with quickness. So you have to be able to, to mirror, you know, move side to side and redirect. So if you go one way and then they go the other way, you've got to redirect. So, you know, it's a really difficult deal. You know, being an interior O lineman is, is, it's kind of a tough deal. It's particularly brutal these days because you could have uh, Dexter Lawrence one week and Aaron Donald the next week and Chris Jones the next week and here comes Jeffrey Simmons and oh gosh. And, and they're different guys. Yeah, they all, they're they all different guys. Like, yeah, they're yeah. all different guys. I mean, so. Donald can do everything. Simmons is more that power guy. Chris Jones would just like snatch you, bring you in and throw you aside like a bouncer in a club. It's just evil. It, I think one thing that – I, I was talking to him in Dominican Sioux at an event about 10 years ago. And I asked him like who gave him the most trouble among you know, like any offense. Let me say Josh Sitton of the Packers who played at very high level for a long time. And I would start to watch Sitton. And one thing, and I'm not saying he got beat. I, I think this happens no matter how good you are, you're going to get pushed back. Like you said, Sitton to me had an, a, a the best ability maybe I've seen among guards to recover from being pushed back. Like he could sort of resync if that makes sense. Oh yeah. And I think that's really important for interior guys. And I think very often, and this is true for all offensive linemen, but maybe more so for tackles is, is balance and yep. body control. Because, you know, when you're playing against really high level edge pass rushers, you know, you're not always going to look perfect, you know, I mean, I remember the guy who always looked perfect to me was Joe Thomas. He never looked like he was yeah, ever yeah. off balance. I always said his uh, his <clears throat> kick was like the arc of an opening door. It was just yeah. Like, I mean, the guy never. It, it seemed like he was yeah. never ever off balance, but that's yeah. very very rare. Yeah, he um, was he was one of one. So, uh, which is why he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Obviously, yeah. you know, the guy was just ridiculous. It looked easy, which you know, when when guys make it look like that, it just blows me away because it's so hard. And he just made it look like it was easy. But the point yeah. I was trying to make is. When you're facing big time pass rushers, okay, you're going to get off balance at times. It's just it, that's what the way it is, okay. You're dealing with guys who are explosive athletes at 60 pounds, 70 pounds lighter than you are, okay, and they're great athletes. So you're not always going to look pretty. So balance and body control becomes so so important. Which another way of saying that is to say you have to be able to recover because you're going to kind of lose your, your technique and get out of phase as the term we like to use. You're going to get out of phase at times. So how do you recover? You know, there's a lot of guys who can't recover. A, a great example of that was the rookie for the giants this year, Evan Neal, who was the sixth pick in the draft. And I noticed this in college and uh, you know, I, sh I should have talked about him more when he came out of Alabama, but he would get to the top of his pass set on vertical sets and he loses balance. Okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah. he couldn't and, and and he couldn't recover. He'd be off balance and then he'd get beat. And that's something he's gonna have to work on for this season, obviously. But you know, it you're going to lose your balance, you're going to get out of phase, and it's how do you recover? Yeah. And that is so critical. And then there's different 
then different coaches teach different things. There's a there's a technique called independent arm technique. Some coaches teach that without going into all the weeds. But then right. some coaches want you to use two hands. You know, this is all just different philosophies of how to teach pass protection. And sure. the coaches who believe in one will tell you theirs is better than the other, and the other guys will tell you theirs. But it's just different philosophies of how to coach it. Yeah, different spice. Speaking of the Giants, uh, getting to centers, and I, every time I watch Dexter Lawrence in the last six months or so, I just I start feeling sorry for centers because that's yeah, you got Dexter Lawrence at three hundred and forty-two pounds right over your head. That that's nasty. So centers, not only I mean you're you're you you're getting the ball off, and now it's more shotgun and pistol, so that's different than it used to be. But it's still um, snap to step quickness because you you right. have to be able to then respond instantly. And then you got this huge, you know, behemoth right over you who's ready to kill you, probably runs a four six forty. Then you have to work in tandem with the guards. That right. You, and by the way, you're calling your protections and you have to be in perfect sync with the quarterback. Um, I kind of think of Jason Kelsey in this era as maybe the ideal center, although he, you know, some are bigger than Kelsey. Um, Kelsey has obviously been tremendously athletic. But again, in a general sense, when we get to centers, what do you need to succeed? Well, I think one of the things that you look at or I look at, and maybe some would disagree, certainly when I'm watching college tape and watching centers is how do they handle zero technique uh, defensive tackles, guys yes. who line up right over them. Dexter Lawrence. <laughs> What's that? Dexter Lawrence, for example. No, thanks. Yeah, I mean, if you can't handle that, it's going to be hard to play because, yeah. by the way, there's increasing in this league with all these five-man fronts, there's increasing zero techniques or a little nose shades. It's very similar, you know, and if you can't handle that one-on-one, it's going to be hard to play. So that's one thing that I, that I look for. And again, I don't know all the technique and how that's taught, but that's why snap to step quickness is so important because if you have a guy right over you and you snap the ball, you have to be so quick to get, you know, after you snap it, to get your hands right back in some kind of position. Cause if your hands are not in position, you're just going to be driven right back. Yep. And, you know, or, or even if it's not, with power, even if a guy is trying to beat you into a gap, you have to be ready to then to be able to move, you know? So I always feel that the, the zero technique, the, the D tackle who lines up head up on a center, that if you can't handle that as an offensive center, it's really going to be hard to be good. And we get back to stunts and overload fronts, you know, games and things like that. Obviously it's not always the case, but in a lot of cases I see with those games, you're trying to get the quarterback, your path, is through the center. And if you're yeah. occupying one shoulder with, you know, I, I watched a Nick Bosa overload uh, loop where he, you know, clipped three gaps. He's Nick Bosa. Um, and Eric Armstead had the center. It was for the, it was uh, when Bosa had three sacks against the Dolphins. And one of those sacks, he looped around inside. It was, it was a long stunt. He looped around. Two guys. And he's like, well, what do I do now? Because you're, you know, so it's it's the ability to pick up stunts too and those games and loops and overloads that is you know we talk about more of those in today's NFL so the ability to defeat them or defend them is also increasingly important ah i mean those kinds of stunts are really hard those long stunts yeah. uh because you know bose is literally coming from a wide nine alignment outside an offensive tackle and then he's working he's looping long and he's getting yeah. into the a gap He's clipping three or four gaps in like 0.2 seconds. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that, that, you know, that goes back to our initial part of the conversation. That's really hard. You know, so there's so much that they have to be aware of. Uh, 
mentally than than react physically. I mean, it's 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 a really really difficult position. You know, all all the offensive line. You know, but I mean, you know, those interior guys. You know, that's hard. That's really really difficult. Well, Greg, always great to talk football in general with you and offensive line specifically. Kind of a pet project of mine. I was you know growing up in Seattle and watching Walter Jones and Steve Hutchinson do it, uh, play Mozart the way it should be played 20 years ago, kind of got my interest in that. So always great to talk about the five guys up front. Thank you as always. And we'll be talking more X's and O's next week. Thanks, Doug.